given that we've been in the midst of a pandemic for about a year, many of us have gotten used to the fact that some of the ways in which we relate now require a bit of distance. So, for this podcast, I thought I'd talk about long-distance relationships. Hello, this is Viola Strepsada Volteri. Hello, this is Viola Strepsada Volteri. Hello, this is Viola Strepsada Volteri, and you are listening to Obedient Love. Luckily for me, I have a little bit of experience with long-distance relationships. Drum and I met over a decade ago in Chicago, but when we began a serious DS relationship, we had both left the city and lived over 700 miles apart. Robbie and I lived two hours apart before he moved to Cathex's house. Now I have begun training slaves all over the world, and the thread of connection is still very strong. With Drum, I discovered that our distance became an incubator in which something very powerful could grow. Before we had a chance to really get to know each other's bodies, we already had lived inside one another's heads. If you begin a relationship with physical attraction, you may have a slight disadvantage in that getting into someone's head will take a little longer. Luckily, once that emotional and psychic bond is made in DS, the physical stuff carries over pretty naturally. It may even feel like more is at stake when someone's standing right in front of you, especially for an introvert like me. A natural awkwardness can get in the way. But when you carry someone around in your pocket, something very different happens. In the past, one might keep a cherished love letter close to the breast, rereading it to feel close to one's beloved. Now we live in a unique time when we can conjure up our long-distance love in an instant if we want to. With the help of the device in your hand, you can have a kind of telepathy. Telephones were the first step in this evolution of long-distance love. For me, communicating with a disembodied voice is a little spooky. I have a phobia of the telephone that takes some effort to overcome. I also find it takes more time for words to move from my brain to my mouth. I'm a writer. Turning thoughts to written words is my natural habit. If I can begin a conversation through words on a screen, I feel much more open. I may have been born a generation too early because I hear that many people who grew up on the internet feel the same. A phone call feels like an emergency, an exception. It's much more comfortable to communicate in text and emojis. But back to telepathy. It was an incredible experience to have a submissive in my pocket. The movie Her comes to mind. In it, a man falls deeply in love with an AI who has advanced to the point of being very human-like. Only she's better than human because she can access all of his history, his contacts, his files, along with all of the information collected by the entire human race. Since he hides absolutely nothing from her, and she's just discovering who she is, they begin with absolute vulnerability as the starting point of their interactions. And what a great way to start. I wish I could begin every relationship with that kind of unlimited access to someone else's truth. Falling in love would be the easiest thing in the world. Falling in love through telepathy. 
Real intimacy has three ingredients. First, knowing yourself and your innermost truth. Then, knowing the truth of another person. And third, allowing that person to know your truth. Intimacy means you do not hide behind any pretense, and you really see another person and show them yourself, unfiltered. It doesn't have to happen all at once. There can be a slow unveiling and surprise and mystery, but it must happen in order to feel that kind of closeness. And now, more than ever, it can happen from a distance. I think it's pretty clear that technology has come to the point where we can be even more intimate from a distance than we often are when we're in the same room with someone. And we can do it in spontaneous, instantaneous bursts of connection, previously unavailable to us even in past relationships while living in the same neighborhood. So what are some good ways to maintain a DS dynamic when your partner may be thousands of miles away? Recently, I read a post by a dom by the name of Lorena Lucille, who referred to creating a long-distance DS dynamic as creating a container. It's a special, unusually private container in which the dom and the sub will build their own little world, a world with its own special set of rules, its own language, its own habits and expectations. And she talked about the tool of imagination. So, imagine each day you get up and greet your mistress, naked and collared. You kneel and bow. You kiss her feet, catching a whiff of their subtle scent. Then you say a short pledge to her to start your day. Maybe it's something simple like the phrase Ms. Renee Lane has Butler use in her book. I am only a slave. It's a privilege to serve. You feel her looking down at you, and you hear her voice saying, Good slave, now you may begin your morning routine. Immediately, you're in your sacred container, engaged in a ritual of devotion. Could you feel what it was like when I described the scenario? Did you like the feeling? That's the tool of imagination at work. You can do these kinds of routines from a distance. A picture of your mistress's face on your phone or printed out and placed before you. Perhaps a sock or a stocking she's worn lays in front of you. You can imagine her in front of you in every detail. You bow to the image in the position that she's instructed you to bow in. You place your face on the stocking, feeling its softness, perhaps even catching the phantom scent. You take a picture of yourself bowing and you send it to her. She responds and tells you that she's pleased. Perhaps you have a random daily check-in where she wants to see that you're wearing a chastity cage or wearing the bracelet that acts as your public collar. Wearing symbols of your submission can be a powerful point of connection. The feminized slave might be instructed to wear women's panties all day and keep their body shaved or waxed. Perhaps she sent you a list of tasks to complete for her. I write, so I send my work to slaves to be edited and send them research tasks or organizational tasks. Perhaps she'll have a specific exercise routine that she wants you to do to stay in shape. Imagine her there, crop in hand, as you physically exert yourself. It can be exhilarating. 
I make sure my slaves all keep a daily journal for me, so I can have a window into their thoughts for the day. This part is my personal favorite, and I'll admit that I feel closest to those who are able to express themselves openly and eloquently in words. Some women may prefer to talk on the phone to end every day. I remember Drum and I would watch a movie together on an app called Rabbit, which was a bit like Zoom. We could see each other as we watched the movie, make faces and comment. Now we end each day at Cathex's house in the same way, only in person. As far as kinky play, I would send directions like use the crop and slap your thighs 15 times each and send me the audio. I'd make him insert an anal hook, tie it to his collar, crawl on the floor, and record a video of that for me. We even began doing blood play. I selected a straight razor which he bought and used to cut himself on video for me. All of my games were made to humiliate and objectify him, but never me. I'd send a pic of my face now and then just to show him that I was pleased, but the rest was him performing for my pleasure. All of this built up over time, after much texting and chatting about random things, learning more about each other as we went along. He would often snap photos of things throughout the day, his dogs, a sunset, whatever was interesting to him. He was a teacher at a university, and I would force him to send me humiliating pics from the public restroom, or crawl on the floor of the classroom after all the students had left, as I texted a role-play story about being a student, upset with her grades and threatening him. We got creative. We used imagination to be together, even when we could not be in the same room. And whenever I wanted, I could text him, and he would reply. Didn't matter if it was noon or three in the morning. I had him on a short leash at all times. I still love keeping slaves in my pocket. Recently, I've started a new game that will make them act as my secret agents and do tasks that they don't know the meaning of yet. I'm sending them on missions, and I'll begin to interweave those missions to create elaborate stories and plans. As Lorena points out, even when you and your slave are standing right next to each other, we always use the container of imagination to hold us in our DS dynamic. Even if I physically lock on his collar or a chastity cage and carry the keys around my neck, it doesn't mean he couldn't find a way to break out of his locks. His consistent consent and cooperation are essential to the relationship. Imagining that he has no choice is part of that contained world that we share with our subs through imagination. You can create intense threads of connection through your intertwined psyches. Lorena uses the example of rings, which both parties agree are intimately connected to the other person. When we touch the rings, we feel them, hold that person close inside of us. There's even a company that has created rings that are connected to Bluetooth and the internet, and when you touch one, the other vibrates, no matter how far away. But you don't really need that technology. The feeling that we have for another person will well up within us with the smallest of reminders. We have so much available to us. Text, audio, video, routines, rituals, personal items, symbols, and tools. 
locks that click, and words that bind. And most importantly, we have our minds and our thoughts to share with each other and open up to each other in really profound ways. It's the job of the dominant to design and maintain these rituals, this sacred container for your relationship. With input from the fantasy world of the submissive, the dominant creates the reality within which the submissive lives all the time. It keeps the thread between you vibrating, like a stringed instrument, improvising new variations as you go along. Long-distance mistress-slave relationships contain a bit of witchcraft. The dominant weaves a spell, and the submissive is held in it, unable to resist by the sheer power of her command. It is a secret, augmented reality that the submissive carries with him always. As the mistress carries her slave around in her pocket, 